Well, I just apologise first and foremostly because the, uh, the PowerPoint is not working, so I had to go back to old school and uh, just speak with you without anything on the screen. So if you have a Bible, you might want to use that, but hopefully you can follow me as we, we go through this message. I will be preaching about um, overcoming hurdles, life being difficult. And um, Joseph, as you know, we've been reading this story and going through the story of, of Joseph in Genesis, and life for him has proven to be difficult. You know, we, we all like to be remembered. And, you know, if you meet somebody on the street and they, you know, and they remember your name, and they remember the name of your spouse, and they remember the name of your children, you're quite impressed that they remembered you. Um, only two days ago, I had the, um, this unfortunate um, event that took place. I was going to Tesco's, and as I was walking to Tesco's, um, this guy came by, was walking past me and said, Jeremy! And I turned around and I saw this guy and he goes to me, um, don't you remember me? I looked at his face and I thought, crying out loud, I don't know who you are. And he goes, we went to the same school together. I go, sorry, man, I don't remember you. I go, what's your name? And he gave me his name. That confused me even more. And I left feeling so embarrassed that I didn't remember this guy. And... Um, when we come to, to Joseph, someone forgot him. Somebody forgot him in the story. We're going to come to that in a few moments' time. But, but Joseph, as we left him last week, Joseph was in prison. And um, if you look at your Bibles over in um, chapter 39, in verse 20, we read these words. Um, Joseph master took him and put him in prison. The place where the king's prisoners were confined. He was put in prison for doing right. He did not succumb to Potiphar's wife's advances. And because he was doing right, Joseph was put in prison. And as he is in prison here, I have to say prison was a miserable business. I said it last week. It's not like our prisons. Today, where you get wall-to-wall carpet, three square meals a day, PlayStation, TV, a sweet trolley that comes through the prison doors, and access to hard drugs. That's our prison. But in Joseph's day, his prison was not like that. Yet, but even though he was in prison, the Bible says this, Joseph still served. The Lord was with him. And even though the sun did not shine on him in the prison, even though fresh air was denied from him while he was in the dungeon, even though his freedom was taken away from him, the Bible says that Joseph still served God. I think that's quite amazing. Because it may have looked that the Lord had forgotten Joseph. It may have looked on the outside that God didn't care about Joseph. It may have looked from those reading the passage or those looking at Joseph from the outside that God had forgotten Joseph completely. But the truth of the matter is... 
that God was still with him and God was working in his life even though it didn't look like that on the outside. Now I can make this observation how quickly do we turn away from God when things go wrong in our lives? How quickly it's easy for all of us to turn around and say, I'm not going to church today because God did not answer my prayer during a week. I'm not going to church today because I'm upset with God. I met one lady some years ago who said, I'm not coming to church today because my cat died. And I prayed to God to heal my cat and my cat died, but therefore I'm done with God. Small things like that can cause people to turn around and say, that's it, God. I don't want you in my life anymore. Now, that temptation can happen to all of us anytime. Something happens, small or big. Something happens, seriously or not so seriously. But it's so easy for so many Christians to turn around and say to God, God, I had enough. You haven't done what I wanted you to do, so therefore I am showing you the door. But not only because God hasn't answered our prayers. Sometimes people leave God and stop serving him because they don't like his teaching. Do you remember Jesus had this problem? When Jesus was teaching in John chapter 6, as he was teaching, the Bible says that as Jesus was teaching, let me just go to it for them to get the right reading. John chapter 6 and verse 16. Look what it says here. John chapter 6, verse 16. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And verse 66 says this From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Here was Jesus preaching, healing the sick, doing miracles, and he was teaching. But some people turn around and say, this is a hard teaching. You know what? I'm going to stop following Jesus. And the Bible says many disciples turned away from him. Now, the truth of the matter is that Jesus, in essence, tells the church to learn to hate the things God hates and to love the thing God loves. Jesus, in essence, in his teaching, turns around and says this, take up your cross and follow me. Sometimes it's not going to be easy, but take up your cross, deny yourself and follow me. Now, Jesus says that, and some Christians turn around and say, well, hold on, hold on, Lord. I don't mind following you, but I don't, I'm not signing up for any cross. I don't mind following you, Jesus, but I, I didn't sign in for any hardships. I don't mind you blessing me, but I don't really want to go through any difficulty. And, and, and we, we can turn away from him. We sing that song that Job, the word that Job said. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. But we like the bit when Job said the Lord gave. Oh yes, give me, give me, give me. But in our theology, the Lord never takes away. Somebody said, naked I've come into the world, 
and naked I will depart. Do you know that you haven't brought nothing into the world at all? And yet, because the teaching of God, because Christ's teaching can be difficult at times, some people turn away. So in this matter here, Jesus wants you to remember his words. This is his words. He said to, he'll say it to Joseph and he'll say it to you today. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. No matter what you go through. No matter how hard it is. Life. No matter what hurdles you have to overcome. No matter if you're in a prison cell or you're in the sunshine in the Caribbean. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. My sister Candice is in, was, in, was in the West Indies, sick and ill, almost unable to get out of her bed. God was saying to her, Candice, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. And Candice is here this morning praising and blessing God. And it goes to so many others. Other you here today are going through things. Some of you are going through great grief. Spoke to a man who lost his wife a year ago and he's going through great sadness. But God want to say to you this morning, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. That is the word of God. And when Joseph was in prison and he had everything on the outside looking bad, on the inside, God was at work. Praise be to God. Second thing I want to say about Joseph that God was at work with him. Second thing I want to show you here in, in the reading that Joseph had to learn God's timetable. Joseph had to learn something about God's timetable. Now in our Bible reading, we read that Joseph was in prison for some time in um, Verse chapter 40, verse 1, it says, Some time later, the cupbearer and the baker got put in prison. Some time later, we don't know. Something you read the Bible, you think it happens immediately, don't you? You think, oh, it happens one thing after the other. But actually, that's not the case. Joseph was in prison, and some time later, these men came into prison with him. The cupbearer and the baker. And Joseph began to look after them. Then the Bible turns around and says this. And they, after they had been in custody for some time, before anything took place for some time, then they had a dream. You know, if you was Joseph, wouldn't you be frustrated? If you was in prison for this time, knowing that you're innocent, wouldn't you have been frustrated? Maybe you've been praying to God, God, get me out of here. God, get me out of here. And nothing's been happening. But then suddenly, after some time, there's a movement. These two men had dreams on the same night. Well, let's look at the, um, the baker's dream first. The baker had a dream. And the baker's dream was this. He said, I had too had a dream on my head with, a, with three baskets of bread. 
in a top basket with all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh. But the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. Baker had a dream. Three baskets on his head. Now I like Joseph here because Joseph, before they told him his dream, Joseph said to him, listen, all interpretation belongs to God. He didn't point to himself. He didn't say, oh, tell me I'm the great interpreter. No, Joseph, he points to God. All interpretation, he says, belongs to him. Tell me your dream. And the baker told him his dream. Man, that wasn't a good dream to have. Three days. Three days, Joseph said. And Pharaoh is going to chop your head clean off your shoulders. Impale you on a stick. And the birds are going to eat from your flesh. That's not a good dream. That's not a good news. But that was the dream that the baker had. But prior to the baker having that dream, the cupbearer dreams. And this is what the cupbearer dreams. Let me just read it to you. You will find his dream here in verse 9. So the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream. He said to him, in my dream I saw a vine in front of me, and on the vine were three branches. As soon as it budded, it blossomed, and it clustered, ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes, squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup, and put the cup in his hands. Now, Joseph turned around and and said to the cupbearer, three days, in three days' time, God's going to restore you to your position. What a wonderful thing. The cupbearer has heard some good news. Now, because Joseph knows that his word was from God, because Joseph knows that it was God who was speaking through him, Joseph added something that wasn't good. What did he add? Well, you have your Bible, you see what Joseph said. He said to the cupbearer these words. But when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of prison. Now, I understand why he said that, but two things that Joseph was doing when he was when he was speaking like that, two things that he was doing. The first thing was this. He was placing his trust in himself. He was putting himself into the mix and saying, well, if I can speak to the cupbearer and remind the cupbearer to tell Pharaoh to get me out of here, if I can wrangle it somehow that the Pharaoh will hear my case, Joseph was putting his trust in himself and not in God. And I say that it's bad because what I read in the Bible that you cannot trust yourself. You cannot trust. Do you know what the Bible says about our hearts, your heart and mine? The Bible says this, the heart of man is deceitful above all things 
and desperately wicked. Your heart and mine, okay, if you're a lovely housewife or if you're a hard-working laborer out in the field, whatever you work at, the Bible says the condition of your heart is this. You are, have a heart that is deceitful above all things. You will deceive others, you will deceive yourself, and you will even try to deceive God. That's what happens. Even on a Sunday morning, people come to church and they hear worshipping and praying and singing. And they say, surely God is pleased with me. But actually, their heart is deceiving, trying to deceive God. And they go out from this place, the same person as they come in. They go out of this place, still doing the same wickedness, not wanting to change, not wanting to be sincere, not wanting to turn around and say, I'm putting this down by the power of God. No, no, they come in and they think they can deceive God. The Bible says that your heart and mine is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Now the psalmist says, I've got a cure for your heart. The psalmist says this, In Psalm 139, 29, he says this, Lord, search me and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. In other words, Lord, if I search my own heart, I will deceive myself. But Lord, you do the searching. You look into my heart, oh God, and you take out from me what is offensive. What is wicked? Lord, search me. Will you pray that prayer? Will you pray that prayer? Lord, search me. I can't search myself. Because when I do, I will overlook things. When I do, I would, I, would, I would excuse myself. But oh God, if you search me, then you will reveal to me what I need to deal with. Will you pray that prayer? Search me. Oh God, Joseph put his trust in himself, not in God. The second thing I want to say that Joseph did that wasn't helpful, that Joseph put his trust in man. Look at what he says here. He says to the cupbearer, the cupbearer, go to the king, go to Pharaoh. And tell Pharaoh that I've been forcibly moved from the land of the Hebrews. I shouldn't be here. Speak to Pharaoh for me. He placed his trust in man. Can I just turn you to Jeremiah 17? Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 5 says this. The Lord speaking to Jeremiah. And in chapter 17 verse 5 he says this. This is what the law says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who depends on flesh for his strength, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. Strong words from God. Cursed. Is the man, is the one who trusts in man and who turns his heart away from the Lord. In other words, the man who turns around and says, I'm giving up on God. I'm no longer going to trust him. I'm going to look to man to get me out of this mess. 
I'm going to look to the pastor of the church. The pastor's going to help me out. I'm going to go to God. I'm going to go to the pastor. No. Don't come to me. I want to go to a man of God who might pray for me in such a way and he's going to sort me out. No, 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 no. Don't look to man, the Bible says. Look to me. I love what the psalm writer says. I lift up my eyes to the hills. For where comes my help? My help comes from the Lord. That's where my help comes from. From the Lord. And um, Joseph didn't look to the Lord. He was looking to man to help him. In fact, Proverbs chapter 3 turns around and says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit, acknowledge him. And he will make straight your path. Joseph was not leaning upon God. Joseph was not trusting upon God. He was leaning upon himself. But it's time to start leaning upon God. In fact, the psalmist, let me just read Psalm 30 to you. Psalm 30. What the psalmist says here is absolutely wonderful. The psalmist speaks and he says this in chapter, in Psalm 130, sorry, 130. And verse 5, and the psalmist says this. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I put my hope. That's where I'm going to wait, says the psalmist. I'm going to wait upon God. I'm not going to lean upon my own understanding. I'm not going to trust man. I'm going to wait upon God. He says, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word, I put my hope. Then I go into the New Testament. And I see Jesus telling the church to do something. I see Jesus telling the church, if you want something from God... If you want the Holy Spirit to fill you, if you want to be anointed by the Spirit himself, guess what you've got to do? You're going to have to learn how to wait upon God. Listen to him over in Acts chapter 1. Let me just let Jesus do the talking here. He, he talked to the disciples in Acts 1 and he said these words. Verse 4. Let's go to the first, um, yeah, first four and three. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. In a few days you want to go out as a church. You want to begin to preach and to testify about what you've seen. But you cannot do it on your own strength. You need to come into my presence, says Jesus. 
And as you come into my presence and wait and spend time praying and reading and speaking to me and waiting upon me, I will fill you with my Holy Spirit. Wait, says the Lord, upon me. You see, the problem with the modern church is that we've got all these gadgets. We've got all this high-brow technology that we have, you know, to, to get the gospel out there. We have WhatsApp and Twitter and Facebook and everything else to, to get the gospel out there. But one thing we've forgotten to do is what these men were doing. These men shut the door. No computers, no iPhones, no mobile devices. They shut the door and they waited upon God. And as they waited upon God, the Holy Spirit came upon them in such a powerful and wonderful way that they were able to go out into a dark world without the kingdom of God being known. To go out into a dark world and proclaim that Jesus Christ is alive. Church, if you want power in your Christian life, if you want to serve not in the flesh but in the spirit, then you need to learn how to wait upon God. Believe me, I know how difficult it is. You get up, I get up every morning at 6.30 and Every morning is rushing to get my daughter to school and it's rushing to get things done. Through. You can rush from the beginning to the end of the day. And you say, I'm going to spend some time with the Lord at night time. When the night time comes, you're so shattered. As soon as you close your eyes, your brain is gone somewhere else. It's so difficult. And we know, as we study Satan on Wednesday, we know that he's the prince of this world. We know that he's set it all up, that you will have no time. For God, no time to wait upon him. He makes sure you're so busy. Make sure you've got so many things on your diary. Make sure you get things going on in your head. You're constantly looking at what you need to do next. But one thing we fail to do as Christians is to wait upon God. Back in the day, one great Puritan writer said this. I've got such a busy day ahead of me. I have to wake up at four in the morning in order to spend my time with God. Now we don't, we all don't have to get up at four in the morning, but we need to begin to find out ways we can spend time with the Lord. Joseph, you could have gone out of prison maybe earlier, I don't know. But God kept you there for two more years. Two more years, the Lord had to keep you there and work with you because you were relying upon yourself you were working in your flesh and it took two years before God gave a dream to Pharaoh two years before the cupbearer remembered that Joseph helped him two years ago two years and Joseph if you had us trusting in the Lord with all your heart lean not in your own understanding maybe, maybe it would have been different. I pray that today, as God has spoken to us, that we will be a people who will turn away from the flesh, turn away from trusting man, and learn how to wait and trust the living God. Let's pray.
Father, I want to thank you for helping us this morning. Thank you, Lord God, for your word. Gracious God, I'm fully aware, Lord, that we can turn away from you too quickly. I'm fully aware, Lord, that even myself can turn around and say, well, because God hasn't done anything, why preach? Why serve? But Lord, I remember the words of of Peter. You have the words of eternal life. Where can we go to? Where can we run to? You are concerned about our eternity, Lord. Therefore, we will stay with you. We will worship you. We will follow you. And we will wait upon you. Help us to do this, O God, by filling us with your spirit. In Jesus' name.